We'll string up those super light twos because it is a lacrosse version of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Today, I'll have a conversation with Lemoyne head coach Dan Sheehan as the Dolphins finish the regular season undefeated at 15-0 and are looking to stake another national championship. Lemoyne and Limestone have gone back and forth the last five years trading championships. Lemoyne's time is up again. We'll talk to Coach Sheehan about his team's chances to win a championship, recruiting in the modern era of lacrosse, and his thoughts on the retiring Mike Masser, a high school lacrosse legend here in central New York, who's coaching his final games. And that's where we start today, with the Syracuse lacrosse team in a very unfamiliar position, on the bubble when it comes to the NCAA tournament. For Syracuse to ensure itself a spot in the 2018 NCAA tournament, they need to be Colgate at the Carrier Dome on Saturday. This is something everybody can agree on. And Syracuse missing the NCAA tournament is a pretty rare thing. The last time it happened was 2007. The last time it happened before that, 1982. Syracuse playing in the tournament is something you could set your watch by, which brings up the status of Syracuse lacrosse head coach John Desco. Now, there's a certain spoiled faction of fans out there that want change made because Syracuse doesn't make the Final Four every year. But how spoiled are they? when that is the standard set by Syracuse itself. Last year's graduating class was the first that did not reach a Final Four in 37 years as both a head coach and assistant under John Desco at Syracuse. The last time the Orange made the Final Four was 2013. Syracuse losing to Towson, Maryland, Johns Hopkins in the second round of the tournament the last three years, and losing to Bryant in the first round at home in 2014. In the last decade, Syracuse has been to three Final Fours with two national championships. Those came in 2008 and 2009, after Syracuse missed the tournament in 2007. Desco is 34-13 in NCAA tournament play. That's the best NCAA tournament winning percentage in the sport's history. That being said, eight of those 13 losses have come since 2007. Yet this week, we learned that Desco was the ACC Coach of the Year with his youngest team in 20 years. But there's a yin to that yang. Syracuse has had a great run in ACC play this year with a record of 4-1, that one loss being a one-goal loss to Virginia in the ACC tournament. But they're 3-5 and five against everyone else. With the exception of that Virginia game and a one-point loss to Navy, an unbelievable ending at the Carrier Dome, with the midshipmen scoring with .2 seconds remaining, Boy, when Syracuse loses, they lose. Falling to Albany early in the season, 15-3, 18-7 to Johns Hopkins, 14-10 to Rutgers, and 13-8 to Cornell. It's not quite as many as last season, but there's plenty of one-goal wins on the board for the Orange as well. A 13-12 win over North Carolina in overtime. A 15-14 win over Duke earlier this season. A 12-11 win over Virginia. An 11-10 win in three overtimes over an always tough Army team. So you could see the frustration of Syracuse fans that this is an up-and-down lacrosse team. And let me remind you, the youngest team that John Desco has had in 20 years. But here's my question, and here's where the people who are calling for change have a valid point. Where do you draw the line anymore? I've heard numerous stories from former players that will tell you that the standard at Syracuse lacrosse was national championship or bust. Somewhere along the way, Maybe in 2007 when this team missed the tournament or after those championships that followed in 2008-2009, a championship or bust model busted. 
In the last decade, Duke, Maryland, Denver, Virginia, Notre Dame, and Cornell have all been to more Final Fours than Syracuse. Johns Hopkins, Loyola, Towson, Delaware, Brown, Navy, and Ohio State have been to as many or less Final Fours than Syracuse. It's amazing when you say it out loud. Syracuse went to the Final Four in college lacrosse in 1983, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. The Final Four streak ended in 2005. They got back there in 2006, then in 2008 and 2009 in championship years, but haven't been since 2013. So what does this mean for John Desco if the Orange don't make the tournament this weekend? You can't fire the ACC Coach of the Year, can you? The answer is no, you can't. But it is undeniable how much pressure is now on the Syracuse lacrosse program to return to normal, whatever that new normal may be. From one West Genesee grad to another, from John Desco to Dan Sheehan, the head lacrosse coach at LeMoyne joins me now here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Let's listen. So we're here with Coach Sheehan, and Dan, this is the 16th time in 22 years that you come out of league play undefeated, but each team tells a unique story. So what's the story of this 2018 team? Yeah, you know, I, I think that we've grown up a lot, um, you know, from last year when we had a, a ton of freshmen on the field, uh, at least on the offensive end. Uh, you know, we, we've been a program that's built uh, our foundation on our defense. And I think, um, you know, with, with being able to balance out the field with some experience at the defensive end coming back, uh, and now those, you know, some of those freshmen are sophomores and some of those sophomores are, are juniors, um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, we're not, we, we certainly are relying on our defense to, uh, to put us in good spots. But, um, you know, I think this year we've gotten to the point where our offense has the ability to, uh, you know, to help out. Just to follow up on that, you've got a defense that is number one in the country right now in goal differential. Jake Sweeney, one of the better goaltenders in Division Two, local kid, of course. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think on, on that end of the field, I think we have, we have all of the pieces uh, that are required to, to win games in May. Um, we're getting solid goaltending play, uh, which is a must. Um, you know, we've got, we've got very good on-ball, long-pole defenders, um, and we've got a trio of short-stick defenders uh, led by Andrew French that, um, you know, in a lot of games, it's like playing with six long poles on the field. Uh, so that that has been huge for us, um, you know, and, and, I, and I think that's, again, who, who LeMoyne lacrosse is. Uh, those guys, they call themselves the backbone of our program, um, and they've certainly lived up to that this year. You're always looking to recruit talented players no matter what, but do you feel like that kind of gives you a system that players can look forward to playing in here at LeMoyne? Yeah, you know, it, it, well, it, 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 it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, you know, I wouldn't consider us a high-risk, high-reward, you know, going out and throwing every stick check that Rick Beardsley has ever taught you. Um, you, know, uh, you know, the game has kind of evolved into, uh, you know, offenses being initiated uh, on your short-stick defensive midfielders. And, and guys like Andrew French, Jake Mortier, and, and Bailey Wilkinson, um, you know, when, when not only the coaching staff has confidence, uh, but your goalie. And, 
and the rest of the defense on the field has confidence in those, uh, those that position, uh, it goes a long way. You brought up, you, you do have some talented offensive players here, even with a bit of a defensive focus. And, and Justin Kesterling, who's a 100-career goal scorer, 61 points this year. Devin Andrews certainly jumps out there as well. What makes those two work so well together on the attack line? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, um, both of them had have benefited from each other. Uh, you know, Devin being a freshman and, and Justin being kind of the old dog on the block, uh, you know, Devin has certainly taken some of the weight of having the ball in his stick a lot off of, of Justin. Um, you know, and, and with any any relationship, when you've got a righty and a lefty, uh, any relationship is going to grow as time goes. And, and I think, um, you know, the two of them are, are this time of year, uh, they couldn't be any more on the same page. All right, we gave some love to the defense and the attack. Give me some love for the middies now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think... Um, you know, we, we've been a program where we don't have a midfielder with gaudy numbers, uh, you know, and I think this year is, is the exact same thing. I think, you know, Danny Entman is, is a matchup problem, um, you know, but he's, he's also not a guy that, you know, needs the ball in his stick to play well. He does so much for us, including play defense. Um, you know, we've got, we've got two midfield lines that, you know, we, we, we call them one and two, but, you know, maybe, you know, A and B is, is more appropriate because, uh, we've been getting production out of both of those lines. Um, you know, and, and, and at the midfield, you know, we ask our guys to play smart. Uh, it's not always the first opportunity. It's the best. Uh, and again, I think this time of year, um, you know, we, we've put ourselves in a pretty good spot because we've been able to manage that process. So, Dan, you get a rematch with St. Anselm here in the NE10 Conference semifinals, and that was a pretty low-scoring game the first time around. So how do you factor in that first game here and how both teams have evolved to this point? Because certainly you both improved and are playing a little differently than you did back in March. Yeah, St. Anselm's um, very physical, um, big, strong, athletic defense. Uh, you know, against what I would consider a, a skilled, um, you know, we, we, I'm not sure that our offense intimidates too many people based on size, uh, but our ability to move the ball. So that was a little bit of a chess match the first game. Um, and then, you know, St. Anselm's has the ability to put six guys on the field that are all goal scorers. Uh, you know, so I, I thought holding them to three goals the first time we played them was, was tremendous. Uh, you know, they've, they've moved some guys around to some different positions. So, you know, as we tell the guys all the time that, you know, this time of year, you're not playing checkers, you're playing chess. Um, you know, so we, we spent the last couple of days here in practice just figuring out what moves are going to work and, and what we believe in and at the same time staying true to who we are. All right, let me break that, you know, traditional coach one game at a time rule here because, you know, look, you go undefeated. I think you guys realize you have an opportunity to win a championship here. How much have you talked about that? How much has this team really embraced the opportunity that could be ahead of them here? Yeah, uh, I think it was, it, you know, there was a point in time maybe in February where we did pull that out. Um, you know, the, the does anyone know where the championship, you know, weekend is this year uh, but honestly it, it has not been brought up lately I think the most important thing and and uh, you know something that's been consistent with the program is what it takes 
to get to that level. Um, so rather than focusing on, you know, the result, we're focusing on the process and uh, making sure that practices are competitive, um, making sure that, that folks stay within their job description. Um, you know, we, we, we really don't have too many heroes, uh, if any, uh, and, and we really don't have an opening for one right now either this time of year. Dan, you've been the head coach here for 21 years, and the sport has just exploded, even in that time frame. It's still one of the fastest-growing sports in the country at both the high school and the college level. So since you started coaching here at LeMoyne, what would you describe as the most positive change that you've seen in the game overall? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an inventor. Um, so I don't know how much I focus on the change as I do the fundamentals, uh, and, and that's something that, you know, and, and, and for me, the first time we had an opportunity to play in an NFL stadium and, and the guys on the wing on a face-off bench side couldn't hear a word coming out of our mouths, um, that was, that was reassuring, reassuring to me that we were focusing on the right things, the fundamentals, because, you know, in that environment, um, you know, you, you fall back on, on what you know. Um, so I, you know, I, we've been pretty fortunate that we're able to, to keep a lot of talent from upstate New York where fundamentals is, is pretty important. You know, you got a lot of two way guys, um, specialization is, is it's in the area, but it's, it's not a huge piece of the area. You know, a lot of, a lot of programs still have face off guys that run on the first midfield line and, um, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, I, I think the growth of the game is great at the grassroots level. You know, one of the things that it's becoming harder and harder to find a place to go in college because the number of college teams isn't keeping pace with the, the grassroots, um, which has put us as college coaches in a pretty good good spot, especially here at Lemoyne, when um, you can be super selective. You know, there's enough talent out there. Um, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, if a Division One team would come into the area and poach one of our kids, uh, you know, one of the local high school kids, it'd be a little tougher to recover from that. Um, now there's enough to go around. Kind of to follow up on that, I mean, Central New York is certainly a talent-rich area, but given the boom in the game, other regions of the country from coast to coast, really, that are just developing these amazing youth lacrosse programs right up through to high school. Where does Central New York stand when it comes to recruiting? It, it, it's still an area. Um, I don't know that it's the area, uh, but I'm not sure that we ever were the area. Uh, certainly one of them. Um, you know, but you've got athletes, you know, up and down the coast, uh, uh, coast to coast, and and. You know, there's there's coaches out there that are willing to take chances on athletes that in four years time they can they can teach them the game. Um, you know, for us in, in where we're located on a map, it's really really difficult for me, you know, to to get in the car, hop on a plane, and and travel a thousand miles when you know on my way home from work today I'm going to pass some pretty good lacrosse games. Okay, I save this to the end because little birdie told me that he wasn't sure if he would answer this. So you're approaching 300 wins as a head coach here. When you hear that number, what comes to mind? Oh boy, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm getting old. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, uh, I guess I, no, I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, but you know, I haven't scored any goals. I haven't made any saves or won any faceoffs. Um, 
I, I, I work at an institution um, that's, that's a rather easy sell when you have the combination of academics and athletics. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes my job easier to get young men in here that can help us win lacrosse games. Um, you know, probably even more than that is, is our ability. You know, I've been very, very fortunate I can count the, the number of assistants that I've had, uh, you know, over the past 10 years on, on one hand. Um, so the ability to, to keep and retain quality, quality, quality coaches, and many of them have played here. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, it makes my job easier when we're not coaching coaches, uh, when our coaches can coach the kids. Dan, one final thought from you. And so many are going to be saying a lot of things about Mike Masser because he is coming down the stretch of one of the great runs we've seen any high school coach, any lacrosse coach really in the country. You played for West Genesee. You're a, you're a Wildcat alum. When I say Mike Masser and the influence that he had on the game, what's the best thing you can describe? Is there a memory or something that makes you reflect on Coach Masser? Yeah, boy. What? Well, first of all, he's he's the coach of my two boys right now, so I got to be careful what I say. Um, you know, but for me, uh, you know, coach is always going to be you know my high school coach. Thoughts of you know twenty five years ago when I was playing. You know, those are the memories that I have. Um, you know, just the 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 ability for him to get his players. To play within a system, um, you know the the selflessness that's required to be back in the day a West Genesee lacrosse player, uh, and I think that's something that that I've taken and, and injected here, hopefully into into our program. Coach Sheehan, best of luck. Thanks for coming on with us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Great, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Syracuse Sports Podcast, where we never wore it off. Don't forget you can subscribe in iTunes and Google Play to receive new episodes sent right to your smart device. Just look for Syracuse Sports Podcast. I'm Brent Axe. We'll talk to you next time.